This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. And we are here for the Invested Podcast and Danielle has COVID, so we're again having a Q&A session today. Um, as we continue to try to figure out what's the best way to invest, what's the best, we know the best way to invest, but how do we do it? How do we invest like Warren Buffett? How do we copy the best investors in the world? And so we got some questions today and Danielle, what do we got? We do. We do. Um, okay. So this one is from Aaron. Here we go. Hi, this is Aaron. I'm a Rule 1 student, and I've been going back and listening to past podcasts by subject. I've noticed that Phil's opinion of IBM and its CEO has changed over time. For example, in earlier podcasts, he gave it as an example of a company that has a big moat. And in podcast number 21, Phil mentioned that IBM's return on equity was around 35% per year. But lately, it seems he's been critical of IBM's CEO, Jenny Rometty. I think this would make an interesting case study, and I wonder if you guys could talk about the history of this change in opinion on the podcast. Thanks very much. I enjoy the podcast. Excellent question, Aaron. Oh, okay. And I would like to say that I have not run these questions by my dad in advance. I'm making you guys do the work and him do the work while I do this recovery process. So oh, I wish you'd run that one by me so I could say, no, don't, don't play that. That's, no, that's going you back. Wouldn't. <laughs> one thing I love about you is you are willing to take questions or just say you refuse to answer it, which is totally um, no, I, allowed. I'm, I'm honor bound to answer that very, very good question and the insight that comes but, with it, which is... But she's right. Hmm. She's right. Yeah. I, okay. The insight. Right. Go ahead. Well, the insight is that um, we, have, we have put down where we really were at years ago, and we've been doing this for five years, and and at that point in time, one of the early podcasts, um, I was a fan of IBM and had bought IBM and Apple into my portfolio uh, pretty aggressively on both of them, as had Warren Buffett. And I will admit, Buffett going into these things definitely influenced my decision. Um, but I also have been in that industry before in the past and had worked closely with uh, Steve Jobs at Next and felt pretty comfortable and in fact was a major investor in a in a software company that was using um uh, uh databases and so I, I felt comfortable that i could understand the business fairly well and um and i did a lot of work on it and at the time you know they were coming uh into a new ceo jenny rometty um and who had had it four or five years with IBM at that point. And she was trying very hard to change the direction of the company. And I will say that she did not succeed. Um, and sometimes that's just the way it goes. You can, you can be, you're trying to turn a gigantic aircraft carrier and um, you've got 
you know, thousands and thousands of employees and you're trying to figure out where's the market going to be in the future. And Jenny's not a technology person. IBM's never been run by a technology person until just recently when they got a new CEO and uh, who does come from technology. Um, so they've always had a salesperson running things and, and that backfired on them this time. They needed somebody that understood the cloud and what, what was going on there. And just as an aside, I will say that one of the reasons I decided to get out of IBM is that I'm listening to Ginny Rometty talk about what the company's trying to do. And I, I actually recorded her. She was on a YouTube video, so I recorded it and sent it off to Rev.com for transcription because I could not understand what she was saying as the CEO of this company. It did it sounded to me like she wasn't making any sense. And so I just thought, well, I'm misunderstanding it. So I got a transcript of it. And sure enough, it was one incoherent sentence after another. That's and a that, really cool uh, method. I'm super intrigued to know about that. Good idea. Yeah. When you're, when you know, I don't know. I just needed to see it. Yeah. Slowly. No, I'm the same way. I learn uh, visually, not through listening. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I'm just misunderstanding this or if the person's right. actually not making sense. So that's a really excellent shout out. Well, she was not making sense. And that was my first big red flag that, wow, maybe the CEO doesn't understand what she's trying to do here, in which case she's going to fail. And so <clears throat> that was a big deal. And then, um, we we basically were using options to try to offset some of the drops in the stock and buying in on uh, put options and selling it on call options and and generating cash flow as the company was warbling around in a range uh, between 120 and eight, and 180 per share and we're kind of enjoying that it was fun because I was still sort of yeah I'm I'm still interested in this company and then it started to become clear that they were not making the transition. Um, over to the cloud and Amazon did and then Microsoft did and Microsoft got themselves a CEO very super great CEO deep in technology and they figured out how to move to the cloud and they just kicked IBM's rear end now a, a couple of things that you said this in this question are really cool and that is that that I mentioned back then that IBM had this big return on equity which it did and it had this big moat, which it still does, which is amazing about IBM. And it's an indication of how hard it is to break a really great moat, even when the company is seemingly doing everything wrong. Um, IBM's moat is called a switching moat. It obviously has a brand moat, right? But I'm not sure that the brand has not been sullied up pretty badly over the last 10 years. But the switching moat is a huge moat, and it is a moat that gets created by IBM putting its technology and its, its hardware into these very large companies and into government offices and then becoming legacy. All of the things that get built on that hardware and software become legacy programs that are unique to that company. For example, if you have IBM in your court system, and you've written all of these programs to help you figure out what the court dockets look like. You can't just switch to Amazon AWS. You can't just go over to Azure at Microsoft. You, you, you can't do it because you would have all these legacy programs that have to be rewritten into this new language. And the government is just like, no, no we're not going to pay for that. It's still working. 
you know, keep it. So even though it's not the best, even though it's not even close to the best solutions, IBM gets to stay in there. And they're still in about nine out of 10 of the biggest banks in the world. They're in 90% of the big healthcare companies. They're still in the back offices of major governments around the world. And that legacy switch mode has kept them alive. It is an absolute cash cow. It just keeps generating billions and billions of dollars, which they have then squandered by buying back their stock <laughs> and, and ending up giving it back to the investors as their stock prices go down. It's, it's been really a comedy of errors. Their shares went from, in 2011, they had about 1.2 uh, million shares outstanding, um, 1.2 billion shares outstanding, and they're down to uh, a 900, I don't know, 890 million shares out, outstanding. And That's that drop of 400 million yeah. shares has been paid for out of equity, and it's just been burned up. They might as well have taken... I mean, 400 million shares at 100 million is, is, it's more than that, right? But 100 million times 400 million shares, 100, sorry, $100 a share times 400 million. What does that give you? It's like 400 million and then two more zeros. Uh, $40 billion? For, I think, yeah, $40 billion. They have pissed away. They might as well have taken $40 billion out onto the on their parking lot, put it in a pile and set it on fire. Well, that money's hopefully gone. Hopefully their stock price went up commensurately. No, it went down. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it went down. And so <laughs> it's just gone. It's gone money. So wow. now you own, you know, a bigger piece of a smaller business. And it's just good lord. And meanwhile the revenues have gone from about 107 billion down to 77 billion. Um and they're holding on by their teeth with this legacy back office switch moat, but their time is running out and they finally realized they got to do something. So the board asked Jenny for anybody to leave. And of course they didn't ask her to leave. She retired and they brought in um, their new CEO and their new CEO is a technology guy. He's coming out of the technology section of the business and, and they've got, maybe they've got something they can pull, pull together. But now of course the competition is much more, entrenched and much more difficult to compete with and who knows right um, about whether they'll succeed or not they so when you ultimately look back, they could run out of moat when you look back at your decision making well how do you think about that do you see it as as you made an error or do you see it as these were unforeseen difficulties or un unable right. to foresee these difficulties right well the, the first thing is that um, there's no error in buying into a company that has a huge moat. That's right. If you can get it at the right price, that's, that's where you always are looking for an opportunity. So the moat side of this was correct. The management side was an error uh, to a certain degree. Um, you want a business that's simple enough that, that an idiot can run it because someday an idiot will. This isn't to say Jenny Rometty is an idiot, but she is not a technology person. So in that sense, she just is in the wrong job. And, um, and you can see how, how powerful a moat is. You know, I mean, she basically got nothing done in 10 years while the rest of the industry was outperforming them and becoming harder to compete with. And yet IBM is still profitable and still going forward and still a viable company. Um, that's how powerful that moat is. Um, so 
the moat part was right. The management decision was essentially, do I have a manager here that I really trust and admire? And the answer should have been no, that, that should have been the answer there. Um, and, and so I created a story based on my understanding of IBM, what they were going to achieve. And I thought they would make the transition because they've made the transition every other time in their hundred year history. So I thought, okay, they'll make this transition as well. They're, they've got more patents than any other company in the world every year. They've got fabulous technology people, but the management was critical. And so my story was, I can understand this business. They've got a big moat. They've got, man I thought, good management, and they're, they're on sale. And I was wrong about the management team. And when I realized I was wrong about the management team, then the story had changed. Then it's time to exit. And but I then, think but then were, too. were they really on sale? Um, at the that time, sale yeah. price then would be based on your prediction that they're going to enter into cloud successfully and right. the stock price would go up. So that was how you sort of, so right. if that didn't happen, then they would no longer have been on sale. Right. Yeah. And, and so this is the reason why we buy companies with a big margin of safety is because if we're wrong about it and this, or the story changes, then we are able to still get out without a loss. And in fact, I actually got out with a bit of a profit on IBM. Oh, good so, job. Well, it's just, it's the power of buying things on sale. It really mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. And so even though I bought it, I think I bought it around the one, probably overall my, my basis was ballpark 130 to 140. Um, which was the lower end of its price ranges for several years. Um, I, you know, it, it just never came out of that. And by the time I realized why it wasn't coming out of that and decided to exit, I could still exit. And in fact, it went up to about 180 and I got out hmm. um, on some good news that something was happening that was good. Well, you were so, in good company because Buffett also bought into IBM. I don't know if it was around the same time, but it was close. I think and, I was in a little earlier, and um, although I can't say for sure, I'm certainly influenced by Buffett. Um, and Buffett getting out was a big moment, I thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's one of those ones that uh, I wasn't following at the time, but like looking back, knowing about that, that's one of the actions that he's taken that has stuck in my mind as a lesson from Buffett that and the airline sale that he took this year. When you make a mistake, get out fast. Don't yeah. wait around, acknowledge it. Don't have your ego involved. Just fully be like, Oh, okay. Got that one wrong. Get out. Don't wait around to like try to eke out some sort of magical situation. And that's been a huge lesson that I've yep. learned from him. Yep. And I, I, that was really a good one too. We obviously were influenced by Buffett when he started buying into the airlines and had uh, take to, taken a pretty substantial position. When I say substantial position, you guys, what I mean is I'm in in a range of 5 to 10% of the portfolio and a really big position might go as high as 20%. Uh, so, um, you know, the substantial position is like serious money on the line. And, um, we saw this whole thing happening with Southwest airlines and got out, um, and got out clean. Cause again, we bought with a margin of safety. Uh, it went up and then it came boiling down with this whole COVID thing started up and we thought this is just not going to be good for the airlines. And so we got out and it was gratifying to, to get notified that Buffett got out the, that quarter as well. Um, 
and he didn't have to report it till the 13F filings, but he decided to report it early just because mm-hmm. so many people look at what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was basically getting out at the same time that I was. And and that's that's kind of gratifying just to see, okay, well, in, in, in 40 years of doing this following the master, I'm at least getting some of the way he thinks into my head and and following that same basic set of principles leads you inevitably to the same basic actions at the same basic time. And so the principle here is when the story changes, obviously it could change in a good way, you might want to add more, but if it changes in a bad way to becoming something you wouldn't have bought, then you get out. It's just exit right now. Take the loss if there is one, but you just get out. And, and, and you don't let the story uh, slide along, right? It's a, it's a drift. You don't want this drift to happen to your investments where you're in it for a certain set of reasons, following these four basic Charlie Munger steps. When one of them changes dramatically, then you'd really have to change your, your position dramatically and you need to do it right now. What you don't want to do is start finding excuses for why it's okay to stay in. That always turns out badly in my experience. What was so, the yeah. dr- what was the dramatic change in IBM that made you decide, okay, this is time for a change, time for a, a decision here? Well, it was, it was, it didn't happen all at once, but it was pretty dramatic when I finally realized what was going on. What, what really triggered it for me was Jenny Rometty not making sense about what the So that really was like do. a moment for you of like, that oh. was a big moment. Oh, interesting. Because up to that point, I was like, what is the deal? They keep saying, they're going to get better and better at this part of their new business and they're not getting better and better. And other companies are getting better and better. And IBM isn't really telling us the hard truth. Jenny was not coming out and saying our competitors are doing better than we are. It was all salesmanship. Oh, I I started to lose faith in that. Yeah. And so that's the story change. I went from management good to management bad. End of story. Out of here. But had the numbers changed? Uh, they were they were sliding along. So they it just was weren't just getting where you I were expected expecting them to go. a rise in everything and success, yeah. and you yeah. weren't seeing that success. No, no. Got it. Got it. And the and the price was sliding right with going sideways right with the numbers because it was such a cash cow. I mean, the reason they could buy so much stock back and pay forty billion dollars is because. They were making like fifteen billion a year, cash flow, and you know that's hard for me not to buy a fifteen billion dollar year company when you can buy it for, you know, effectively a ten cap. And uh, it's like, yeah, I want to own this, and it's got a huge moat. And I, I just had faith that they would find their way through this technology change, and they just haven't so far. And now it's up to Arvind Krishna. He's he's the new CEO. Yeah, he comes from technology. He's I don't know for sure that he's one of these incredible uh, India Institute of Technology grads, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he is. And um, he's one of these brilliant, brilliant people. I don't know if you knew this, but India did an amazing thing. You and I both love India. And they did an amazing thing. They, this, the government of India created boarding schools for kids and has thousands and thousands, maybe millions, I don't know, but certainly thousands of kids that are selected to go to these boarding schools just based on some testing um, of, you know, do you have a, do you have it in you at age five or six, whatever they can test with to be able to benefit from this school. 
and they take these kids in and then um, the very cream of the crop ends up going to India Institute of Technology. And by the way, Manesh Pabrai, who's one of my favorite investors, and we've talked about him here before and you and I know him, um, Manesh has a, a, uh, has a charity called Dakshana, which he donates aggressively to himself and then raises, raises money for it. And Guy Spear has put money into Dakshana. And, uh, and I, I, I will at some point here in the future. I think it's a fabulous thing. And what he does is he provides seed capital for the, these kids who are like in high school level. He, he goes in and picks like thousands of them to pay, to pay their way, to pave their way forward um, to help them get better and better training, the ones he thinks have a shot at the IIT. And, um, and his track record is enormous. 82% of the kids he picked uh, over the last couple of years have made it into the Indian Institute of Technology. Wow. It's like, holy smokes, man. He's got, he's got a guy running it who's a former colonel in the Indian Army who has just got a way of figuring out which kids have the best shot. Um, and one of the things he does is he, he gives them, Monesh went over there and went into the classroom and put a question on the board. And he said, here, see if you guys can solve this problem. And the problem was, um, if a prime number is greater than or equal to five, what is that prime number it, if it's divisible by 24 and it's, it's n minus one. It's the prime number minus, it's, it's n minus one. What's n? I don't know. I might not have stated it right. <laughs> but so don't try to solve it. But he writes in, in, this, uh, in this interview he gave to, uh, to another guy, what, there was a girl who, who said, well, I, I sort of think I have the answer. And, and she comes up and shows it to him. And he goes, well, that's one of the more brilliant answers I've seen. And she got fast-tracked and, in fact, is one of the, I think, the top 200 students that was in her class at, at IIT. So it, he's got ways of figuring out what kids have the, have the horsepower intellectually to really become giants. And those, that's what India's been promoting. And my mm -hmm. guess, I'm going to look at a Wikipedia page here for Arvin. Yeah, I don't know if, he, if the CEO of IBM went there or not, but he's obviously extremely capable he's risen up through the company he's yes, been leading he there oh okay good yes he did Bachelor's i don't know why that's good in how nice for him <laughs> india institute of technology <laughs> yeah and then these kids come out of india institute of technology and they come to places like cornell um university of illinois um urbana campaign for or champagne for what are you a, reading PhD, from uh wikipedia page oh um so that's all nice. Resumes are great. Well, I'm Resumes just pointing out you got a new CEO. Don't make companies do well. No, so you do have a new CEO though, and he's coming from a similar background to um, other CEOs in the technology space who have come out of the Indian Institute of Technology. They're super smart people, and um, I mean, he might be worth betting on. I'm not saying I'm going back into IBM now that he's become the CEO. But IBM still has that big moat. They face more competition now than they used to before. Um, but boy, I really like it that IBM, for the first time in its history, has got a an actual technology guy at the top of this thing. Yeah, I do too. And I think the fact that he knows the company really well is very 
Like he knows the nuts and bolts of how that company runs its technology. And to me, that's a huge advantage over the last situation. So I don't know if he can do it. I'm watching IBM a little again. Yeah, but this is, it kind of follows on our conversation about the marijuana companies um, from last time, which is even if you don't invest, like maybe you're somebody who's looking or I don't know, to take your, your situation, like you knew a lot about IBM, didn't, I mean, you actually made a little money, so that's great, but it didn't work out the way you thought it was going to. But all of that time is not wasted because now here you are looking at the new CEO and you're, you can use all of that experience and perspective and, um, and, and well ingrained knowledge over years to make a more informed decision than, for example, somebody like me, which, I mean, IBM is completely new to me, but I find it very interesting. I tell you, you know, it's like most most things to be super brilliant, it helps to be young, right? You get your super brilliant (laughs) uh, physicists and the super brilliant chemists and your super brilliant business guys, you know, the Steve Jobs of the world, and they come out and set the world on fire with a whole different view of what's going on. They're young, they got a different paradigm. Investing, it helps to be old. (laughs) <laughs> it's great. It's like the the one real great enterprise where being old and out of shape is some sort of an advantage. Uh, I, like, <laughs> I just like guys to sit like, in front of my computer yeah, and you, read you know, the annual report. Get a little out of shape, you know, but man, it <laughs> your your knowledge is stacking on top of knowledge, on top of knowledge, on top of knowledge. Uh, and it accumulates in a wonderful way to where older investors are fantastic investors. Warren Buffett is in his prime. Charlie Munger's in his prime at 96, you know? These guys are great investors. They don't make many mistakes. And I think Manesh would say that same thing. Guy Spear would probably say the same thing. We, If we continue reading, we continue studying, we continue sticking to the basics that we're basically copying from all the way back at Ben Graham uh, from, you know, the 1920s really with Ben, um, you're going to get better. You're going to get better and better and better and better. And that is a wonderful thing, you guys. So, yeah. you know, keep keep working at it. And it, it, there's never a limit to um, to your ability to learn. And if you're willing to start and you're willing to start doing the things that we're teaching here, even if you're just paper trading, you're going to get better and you're going to get good at it. And just from this, you guys, so many of you who have been listening to the podcast for so long now, just if you're just doing the things you've learned on the podcast, I can promise you, you're in the top 1% of investors in the world. Uh, just, I'm sorry, just. <laughs> <laughs> All right, do the things on the podcast. I don't know what world the you're word living out. in. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot there. Yeah, there's a lot there. there. Um, But Aaron, thank you very much for your question. And dad, thank you very much for putting out your opinions about IBM for five years, because it's super interesting to see a progression. And uh, and many investors won't talk about their holdings specifically because of this. Somebody will be like, four years ago, you liked this (laughs) company and it sucks. And then they have to be like, oh, yeah, okay. And it's like not a fun experience, right? But... I think it's really nice. Um, many investors will talk about like a few, one or two or three and follow it over time. Um, and it's nice to hear that because there really is a, a wax and a wane to some 
And of course it has to be a lasting one, but to some companies. All right. I think it's time for my COVID girl to go take a rest. It is indeed. So honey, thanks for doing this again. Yeah. I love, I love that you can, you can, you know, kind of sit up and do this for a little while. And I want you to go drink a lot of water (laughs) and get a lot of rest and eat all the food that Nuno slides under the door. (laughs) because <laughs> he's sending me pictures of them from the plates and they're lovely. I don't know how he does it. He's, he's like a food photographer. He is. He's, it's he's so really funny. Good. He takes pictures of all the food he makes for me. It's so weird. He's such a sweetheart. I love your husband so much. I think he's just so proud of himself, but he's gotten really good at cooking lately because I am not allowed in the kitchen. So it's, um, yep. you know, needs you're must. man. He's a man. You got a great partner there, girl. <laughs> All right, you guys. All right. Time to, thanks, time to everybody. Go. Bye. Time to go play. See ya. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding. They really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And it's really important, it's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.